Blog Talk Radio. Well, welcome to our Sunday show on Progressive News Network on Blog Talk Radio. This is Janine Moloch. I'm your host this week, and it's going to be a short show because I'm uh, not in good voice today. Anyway, this Sunday, the big story is all about the January 6th insurrection and how close we came to literally devolving <coughs> into a Trump dictatorship. And I'm going to go as long as I possibly can. <coughs> Sorry, folks. Um, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has called for the um, expulsion of any members of Congress who participated, planned, or aided and abetted on January in the January 6th insurrection. My own Congresswoman, Cori Bush, <coughs> I'm sorry, folks, even COVID, this is my usual bronchitis. Um, my own Congresswoman, Cori Bush, has actually filed a bill that would do just that. Now, I don't have any real confidence that this is going to pass because the Republicans um, have basically proven that they are totally untrustworthy. (laughs) But let's look into this more. And then add to that, there was a recently released congressional interim report that gives more details of what actually happened leading up to January 6th and January 6th itself. And this little report is some 394 pages. I downloaded it. Then you add the bombshell reporting of Rolling Stone on the insurrection, and you have more than enough evidence to begin expulsion against specific members of Congress and senators who were involved in the insurrection. So, (coughs) I'm sorry, folks. Not only should these members, if proven to have been involved, be expelled, they should subsequently face criminal investigation, prosecution, and yes, incarceration. And after that, we're going to have a few minutes of levity with our new feature, the Jackass Report. So let's move on. So from Common Dreams, Kenny Stansel wrote a very good piece titled, Any Lawmaker Involved in Planning the January 6th Insurrection Must Be Expelled, says AOC. And this was in response to new reporting, again, was um, published by Rolling Stone um, in the planning of the January 6th Capitol attack. Now, the Republicans, including my two U.S. Senators, Roy Blunt and Josh Hawley, would have you believe this was just and an incident that was very spontaneous. There was no planning. It's all a lie. It was very planned. <coughs> it was planned for basically a month beforehand. Okay. To quote um, AOC's tweet, quote, any member of Congress who helped plot a terrorist attack on our nation's capital must be expelled. Those responsible, I'm sorry, this was a terror attack, 138 injured, almost 10 dead. Those responsible remain a danger to our democracy, our country, and human life in the vicinity of our capital and beyond. 
my Congresswoman Cori Bush also tweeted that, quote, um, her, quote, resolution to investigate and expel the members of Congress who helped incite the deadly insurrection on our Capitol, which is House Resolution 25, is just waiting for a vote, end quote. So Rolling Stone detailed these explosive allegations. Um, this was a right-wing, call it what it was, a lynch mob. <coughs> Sorry, people. Again, not COVID. This is BOPD. Doesn't take much with me. Um, there was an ongoing probe that was led by the House Select Committee on the January 6th attack. And Rolling Stone was able to, um, they spoke with two unnamed individuals who were, quote, involved in organizing the main event aimed at objecting to the electoral certification which took place at the White House ellipse. Okay. <coughs> oh, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to keep going, but we'll try. Um, the magazine Rolling Stone also reported that before January 6th, Two, these same two sources said they had dozens of planning conversations with the following people. <coughs> <coughs> Representative Andy Biggs, Republican in Arizona, Lauren Bobert, Mo Brooks, Madison Cawthorn, Louis Gilmert, Paul Gosar, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and, or they had top staffers join. Okay. The two sources said they, quote, interacted with members of Trump's team, which included House, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, quote, who they described as having had an opportunity to prevent the violence, as well as Katrina Pearson, who was a former member of 20, Trump's 2016-2020 campaign. Um, one organizer called her our, quote, go-to girl and, quote, our primary advocate. Um, Gosar who had been listed as one of the most prominent defenders of the rioters, uh, allegedly, quote, dangled the possibility of a blanket pardon in an unrelated ongoing investigation to encourage them to plan the protest, end quote. <coughs> Both organizers mentioned the blanket pardon from Gosar. One source told Rolling Stone, Quote, our impression was that it was a done deal, that he'd spoken to the president about it in the Oval, in a meeting about pardons, and that our names came up. They were working on submitting the paperwork and getting members of the House Freedom Caucus to sign on as a show of support. I was just going over the list of pardons, and we wanted to tell you guys how much we appreciate all the hard work you've been doing, Gosar said. That was according to this organizer. <coughs> okay. The magazine also obtained documentary evidence that on January 6th, they, both of the organizers were in contact with Bobert and, Goss, and Gossar. And Rolling Stone also reported that, quote, both Brooks and Cawthorn spoke with Trump at the Ellipse on January 6th. In his speech at that event, Brooks, who was reportedly wearing body armor, declared, today is the day American patriots start taking down names and kicking ass, end quote. Okay. Both sources that are unnamed also maintain that before January 6th, quote, 
The plan they had discussed with other organizers, Trump allies, and members of Congress was a rally that would solely take place at the ellipse where speakers, including the former president, would present evidence about issues with, that, with the election. This demonstration would take place in conjunction with objections that were being made by Trump allies during the certification on the House floor that day, end quote. And that's what Rolling Stone reported. Folks, <coughs> I might not make it through the show tonight. Stupid post-nasal drift. So according to the organizers, um, Ali Alexander, who was one of the organizers, had agreed not to hold what he called his wild protest at the Capitol. But, um, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. During Trump's speech at the Ellipse, he encourages supporters to, you know, head on to the Capitol. And, quote, before he had finished talking, the barricades were being stormed. Um, one of the Trump allies subpoenaed by the House committee quote, was made aware of concerns about the potential for violence and did nothing to stop it. So, <coughs> there was plenty of evidence, people. <coughs> okay. Um, Rolling Stone also noted that the two sources said they could provide new details about the members, in other words, members of Congress, specific roles in this. <clears throat> so we have that going on. Let's move on. This may be a very short, very short program today, folks. So from the Lawfare blog, this is how close we came to having a presidential dictatorship. Um, there was an article written by Quinta Jurichik, Bryce Clem, Natalie K. Orfit, and Alan Z. Rosenstein and in Lawfare. And it's on January 6th. And the headline is Violence in the Capitol. A Senate report shows how close American democracy came to disaster. So the Senate Judiciary Committee released its interim report. And it is terrifying. It describes in gory detail the, everything Trump and his team tried to do to dictate to the Justice Department and bully them into basically overturning the election. <coughs> it shows how aggressively Trump tried to hold on to power and who helped them in the Justice Department. Um, the committee called it an interim report. There's more coming. But keep in mind, this interim report is 394 pages long. Um, so what it says, basically, there were six key findings. And they center around a scheme by a DOJ, uh, DOJ attorney named Jeffrey Clark. He was the head of the Justice Department Civil Division. And he wanted to have the department send a letter to various state legislatures, basically suggesting that they should convene special sessions and appoint new electors because of what they called election irregularities. In other words, <coughs> they wanted the state legislatures to come up with electors that regardless of what 
the vote said, they would disregard it and basically uh, coronate Trump. Okay. So Clark really wasn't very well known before December, but in December of 2020, just weeks before the certification of the Electoral College, allegedly asked Acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen if he knew, quote, some guy named Jeff Clark. Um, Clark had also requested an intelligence briefing about this alleged election fraud, and he was proposing the Justice Department reach out to swing state officials with what's called proof of concept documents. And what proof of concept suggests is that state legislatures should, quote, assemble and make a decision about elector appointment. In other words, the state legislature should disregard what the popular vote said, you know, because that's how basically electors decide who they're going to vote for, and just put in some Trump acolytes. <coughs> so they wanted to basically overthrow the election. Now, Rosen and his colleague Donahue rejected it, but Clark didn't stop. On January 3rd, just days before the insurrection, Clark told Rosen that President Trump was, quote, planning on installing him as the acting attorney general and implied that Clark would decline to replace Rosen if the acting attorney general sent Clark's letter to state legislatures. In other words, Jeffrey Clark told his boss, let's take some cojones, told his boss, the acting attorney general, Rosen, he won't replace him as long as you send this letter, which is basically um, trying to get state legislatures to overthrow the election. This is how close we came, folks. <laughs> Even White House counsel Pat Cipollone was not for this. He called Clark's proposal, quote, a murder-suicide pact. Now, Trump decided he wasn't going to send the letter, and he didn't put Clark in charge. But this is really what nearly happened. And you have to consider, you know, state legislatures are the ones that appoint the electors. But if you have a state legislature that isn't honest, that is filled with GOP extremists like we have here in Missouri, you're screwed. I mean, we have absolutely no guarantee that our votes will be respected. On top of that, our Secretary of State, supposed to certify this, is Jay Ashcroft. And yes, that's old man Ashcroft's son. You know, the man who authorized torture. This article goes on, and this, so much was going on behind the scenes that this really does that all this nonsense that mainstream Republicans are saying, whether it's Pence or Roy Blunt, for instance, trying to downplay the insurrection of just, quote, one day in January, proves that that's a lie. All this was going on behind the scenes. And the report shows that January 6th was, quote, 
the culmination of a month-long effort by Trump and his allies to undermine faith in the results of the election and upend the results. End quote. This is how close we came. And everybody should be terrified. Our election should be safer than that. It shouldn't be left up to partisan hacks. And this is why, in my opinion, not only should the Department of Justice, if you're in DOJ, you should have to sign a paper saying you're not going to run for political office for at least 10 years after you left. Okay? <coughs> and that should go for state attorney generals as well. For too long, the office of the attorney general, whether at the federal level or state level, has been used as a political stepping stone to higher office. And it shouldn't. Okay? It, it just shouldn't. It, it, it leads to the politicization of what should be strictly legal proceedings. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not an attorney, and I don't know all the ins and outs. But any attorneys or any politicians that are attorneys that were involved in this not only should be expelled, but they should be disbarred permanently in any state in the United States and tried criminally. Right now, we don't have too many safeguards protecting the results of our elections. We just don't. So go after people for alleged voter fraud that doesn't exist. But to safeguard the results of an election, we don't have that. And it's not just this time. It harkens back to the election of 2000. But as far as I'm concerned, the Supreme Court stole for George W. Bush. You know, the hanging chads in Florida. If there had been a question, then they should have just gone the full route and made sure every vote was counted. As far as I'm concerned, what happened in 2000 basically formed, that was the prelude to this. And make no mistake about it, in my opinion, if Donald Trump had succeeded, we would never get rid of him until he was six feet under. Seriously. He thinks like a dictator. And this is, you know, this is how dangerous it was. You know, finally, members of the insurrection are being criminally prosecuted. Finally. Nine months later, it took that long, even though there was video evidence. It shouldn't have. <laughs> it absolutely should not have. So I would urge everyone to look at the Senate Judiciary Committee's report. You don't have to read the whole thing. You can read the summary, whatever. It's, you just, it's easy to download. You have a right to know what really happened. And, and do you think that if that crowd had been majority black, do you think they would have gotten away with that? No. They would have been gunned down within two minutes. No questions asked. And so now we have bad actors in DOJ. You know, it doesn't matter if you have an attorney general that's a political appointee. 
okay? You have some careers to <coughs> also act in bad faith. And frankly, as far as I'm concerned, I think the role of attorney general, first of all, should not be in a presidential cabinet at all. Mm-mm. The role of attorney general should be separate. It is in the state. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and, um, in most states, including here in Missouri, the attorney general's office is not part of a governor's um, cabinet. It is separate. And it should be so at the federal level, too. That would take some of the politicization out of it. You know, do I think A.G. Barr um, was somewhat crooked, in my opinion? Yes, I do. But I think it got too hot for him, so he chose to leave. But the Judiciary Committee did offer some suggestions. And they did try to address what investigators have called out as how, quote, bad faith actors can exploit DOJ policy and norms to provide a platform for election fraud claims, even when the claims are not backed by any credible evidence and insert DOJ unnecessarily in political controversies, end quote. (coughs) Oh, boy, I'm sorry, folks. (coughs) So a lot of the Senate Judiciary Committee report, the interim report, really describes what are considered repeated violations of the Justice Department's internal policy. Things like forbidding certain types of contacts with the White House, so that you can minimize the risk of political interference. Um, the committee recommended a strict, a stricter oversight regimen, regime, that is, of White House Department contacts. And that included, quote, statutory requirements for the regular release of logs such communications to the Justice Department Inspector General who could transmit matters of urgent concern to the House and Senate Judiciary Committees, end quote. And there already are some things on the books. There's, for instance, U.S. 18 U.S.C. 1512, which prohibits corruptly, quote, obstructing, influencing, or impeding any official proceeding. And 18 U.S.C. 1505, which prohibits, quote, corruptly or by threats of force, obstructing or impeding or endeavoring to influence, obstruct or impede the work of any department or agency of the United States or Congress or any of its committees. And that could be both amended to apply to state proceedings relating to federal elections, end quote. And it should be. (coughs) (coughs) All of this should have some sort of transparency mechanism, and accountability. I don't trust my Secretary of State at all. And I don't trust the fact that my state legislature here in in Missouri is um, controlled by GOP extremists, including someone like Justin Hill, who is a major officer in this group we've talked about before, ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. Um, they're not trustworthy, okay? So we have to look at the politicization of this, and I think there has to be some federal regulation of elections. 
it is patently clear that the state cannot be trusted with this at all. <coughs> Look at the mess in Florida again back in 2000. Where was the screaming by Republicans about election integrity when they allowed the Supreme Court to interfere? The fact is, the recount in Bush v. Gore was never completed. And Al Gore should not have just walked away. Whether he won or lost is not the point. The point is every vote should have been counted and reported. That's it. Again, this led the pathway to this moment now, where our elections have become jokes. So there's a lot of information here, and unfortunately I'm not in good enough voice to go into it. I Read the report yourself. You can also read the article that was in Lawfare. Very, very um, complete. And this just goes to the point that we can investigate January 6th, and we do need to investigate January 6th. Totally. But we also need to have, as I said before, transparency and accountability mechanisms for all elections. That's it. Um, no more of this secrecy. No more. And I would say that the Attorney General's office at the federal level should no longer be part of any presidential uh, cabinet. It should be a separate office. Otherwise, you do have a conflict of interest. At one point, does the Attorney General, who is appointed by the sitting president, at what point does the AG, the Attorney General, work for the president? And at what point does the Attorney General work for the rest of us? <clears throat> it's a legitimate question. <clears throat> Again, folks, I really apologize here. This is not the first time this has happened, but we need to stop it. The fact is there was no voter fraud. There just wasn't. In some 60 cases, including cases that were reviewed by Trump-appointed judges, they were all thrown out. There was zero evidence of any voter fraud at all. There was, however, quite a bit of evidence of massive voter suppression of communities of color, younger people, anybody who might vote Democratic. And since we have a two-party system, you're kind of stuck with it. <coughs> and it's hard enough to vote as is. But what good is it to vote if your vote won't be counted? And then we have another question, too, and I know I'm deviating from the script here. In the past, when mainstream media would call the election and predict, you know, we've come to expect that everything should be decided that evening. And I would say that that has kind of a stifling effect on voting. There's a lot of people that might vote, but if you think, well, we've already lost, there's no point in going through it all, they don't bother to show. 
And I think that's manipulating the voting public, and that should not be allowed either. Excuse me. So we're dealing with that. Okay. I think that the time has come for us to realize that we have to have a better way of doing things. We just do. Because what we're doing now is not working. Um, I Again, I'm in Missouri. I can't recall the last time a Democrat won here. So I knew that my vote for president was kind of useless. Missouri's a throwaway. But part of the reason that Missouri's kind of a throwaway for Democrats is because of the massive voter suppression that happens here. For years, I have seen police stationed at my polling place. And it does have a chilling effect, especially on communities of color who know they're going to be harassed. And I've asked about it. And they said, oh, we're here for your protection. Well, maybe we don't want your protection. They're there as an intimidation factor, bolstering white supremacy and nothing more. So <coughs> we've got some more information here. Election scholar Rick Hayson, um has described numerous mechanisms where dishonest politicians could attempt to overthrow an election. Some of it could come from manipulating vote tallies um, to, you know, along lines of what Clark proposed to Trump, to just saying, have the state legislature appoint new electors that you know will vote for Trump, which is subverting the election, subverting our right to vote entirely. And so far, he hasn't really faced any punishment yet. Um, so we're going to need to change the way we do things, very simply put. It, it, it's that easy. So right now, give me a second, folks, and I'm going to come to our next our next little um, our next little story here. Okay, and that is <sighs> our new feature. And again, I'm sorry, I'm in bad voice today. The Jackass Report. And it seems like there's a lot of jackassery out there, um, coming from both parties, but. The Republican Party certainly doesn't have a, a monopoly on that. But I would say the jackass of the week here in Missouri, our own Attorney General, Eric Schmidt, who uncoincidentally is also running for the U.S. Senate seat being vacated by Roy Blunt. Mr. Schmidt loves filing frivolous lawsuits. He just does. Um, school districts here tried to protect students by having mask mandates, and um, he filed a suit lawsuit against that. Um, 
he filed a lawsuit against um, St. Louis County and St. Louis City having a mask mandate. We're not talking about vaccines. We're just talking about the right to protect yourself. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. This, well, this week, issue of the week, Eric Schmidt and nine other states filed a suit on Friday against um, President Biden's vaccine mandate for federal contractors and employees. Now, the thing that gets me is that these Republican extremists, they, they want their liberties, but they don't want the responsibility to go along with those liberties. They want to be able to do whatever they bloody well want to do with no negative consequences. And the Biden mandate really isn't a mandate. It's just saying that if you do business with the federal government, even as a contractor, and you have more than 100 employees, all your employees must be vaccinated, fully vaccinated, or they have to be fired, or you don't do business with the federal government. Now, I thought Republicans were all for you know, personal choice and let the markets take care of things. This isn't making people line up for the jab. They have a choice to make. The problem with the Republicans now is they are behaving like nasty children who are throwing a big tantrum and they don't want any consequences for their actions. Well, the federal government doesn't have to do business with you if you don't follow their particular, you know, rules. That's simple. (coughs) If you don't want to do that, then fine, you lose the business. It's not making you do anything. It's just so ludicrous. Okay, earlier Schmidt had a a hissy fit um, where he claimed that what was it? It was something about another regulation. And um, no, it wasn't Schmidt. I take that back. It was Senator Rick Scott, um, Senator Tim Scott, and black Republican. And he had a hissy fit over um, a regulation that if you did, if you accepted funding from the federal government regarding police departments, for instance. It involves grants, and he had Senator uh, Tim Scott had a problem with the idea that uh, grants have certain requirements that you must fulfill, or you don't get the grant, or you don't keep the grant. And but that's what grants do. It wasn't singling anybody out. And now with uh, Eric Schmidt, you know, once again they're claiming the vaccine mandate. Um, basically is unlawful, arguing that it violates the Procurement Act, the Procurement Policy Act, the Anti-Commandeering Doctrine, Administrative Procedures Act, the Tenth Amendment, and federalism. Federalism? Really? I apologize for the stupidity of Missouri's Attorney General. Again, the vaccine mandate says if you're a federal contractor, or an employer with more than 100 workers, that you either have your workers get fully vaccinated or you can't do business with a federal. How is that unreasonable? It's not. 
Well, once again, Eric Schmidt is filing a frivolous lawsuit because he's trying to boost his bona fides as an anti-vaxxer and an anti-masker. <coughs> and once again, what, regardless of where you stand on this particular issue, think about what they're asking for. About. I mean, we would have been done with this pandemic if people had behaved like adults. I can understand if you have a medical, a legitimate medical exemption to not get the vaccine. Maybe a neurological condition, whatever. And I do mean a legitimate medical exemption. Not one where a doctor just gives them out like, like you know, like candy. <coughs> I don't accept any religious exemptions. You're going to claim a, a religious exemption, then you should you should be able to prove that you're refusing any medical care there. And um, some people claim, well, the the uh, vaccine was derived from stem cells. Well, I hate to disillusion you people, but just about everything, including most likely the blood pressure medicine you take and so on and so forth, was at some point derived from a stem cell line that was collected over 40 years ago. That's why the Pope got on board with this. You have a problem with it. <coughs> so this week's jackass report goes to, first of all, Eric Schmidt, because once again, he hates science. You know, the um, not just on this, but even the... Um, <coughs> the um, lawsuit he filed against the school districts on mask mandates. He used old research, and it was based on the alpha variant, which isn't anywhere near as contagious as the delta variant. <coughs> we talked about that on the show before. He also ignored a major South Korean study that showed that if children do transmit the virus, especially ages 9 to 19, they're just as, as good a transmitter as adults. All right? But instead, Schmidt relied on what he calls his German study, which involved, I believe, 128 kids. South Korean study I'm talking about had, I think it was 6,000 pediatric cases and they contact trace for over 60,000. But once again, Eric Schmidt is pandering to the anti-vax and anti-mask crowd. And the stupidity of it is beyond belief. But I think part of it, too, is the fact that white supremacy does play into it. Uh, one of the reasons anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers are fighting this so much is because Somehow this has become the litmus test for white supremacy. It doesn't make sense, but then Trumpers don't make sense. I would say other jackasses of the week, to prove that I'm not just picking on Republicans, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi gathered a bunch of progressive legislators in a secret meeting behind closed doors that leaked out um, with Steny Hoyer. And this is reported on the Young Turks. 
and she not only chided them to accept the crumbs that are in the Build Back Better bill, but to cheerlead about it too. And I, I just hope that those progressives refuse to cooperate. Because my attitude is this, whether it's Kirsten Cinema or Joe Manchin, or members of both parties that are bought and paid for by corporate, um, if they say it's this or nothing or you get zero, then I say, fine, let's get zero. And then let's make these politicians pay the price. Because they won't raise their hand. People are suffering out there, and they're giving us crumbs. And it's not good enough. So my legislative hero of the week are basically members of the squad, Elon Omar, um, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, Corey Bush, Jamal Bowman. You can go on and on and on. Dances of the week, Missouri Attorney General and Senate hopeful Eric Schmidt and Speaker Nancy Pelosi. <coughs> Sorry, folks. <coughs> they have utterly failed us. And the only thing that's going to save us, in my opinion, is multiple mass general strikes, one right after the other, with the only exception being emergency services, that means firefighters and medical and make these rich you know what to take out their own trash and I think they've overplayed their hands I'd say the great resignation is kind of a prelude to that yes mass general strikes like they do in France shut it down shut it all down until we get what we need because since Citizens United and I know I'm rambling a bit, we don't have representative government. We have representatives that have hoard themselves, both parties, to do what their donors want. It's legalized bribery. And you know, I was listening to Cenk Uger and Anna Kasparian on the Young Turks, and, and what occurred to me, you know, and it's true, okay, Corporations are people, according to Citizens United, and money is speech. Okay, fine. If corporate, let's take that thinking a little further. If corporations are people, people can be held legally accountable. That's the part the, the Supreme Court ignored. I'd say it's time for us to get together all of our top civil liberties attorneys and not only with general strikes, but also do mass class action suits against these corporations, one right after the other. It's the termite offensive. Yes, they have more money than God, but we can take them down. It's the only way we're going to get something back. And then we need to fight Citizens United, challenge it in the courts. Why? The Democratic establishment, well, we know why. Democratic establishment won't take on Citizens United. They just won't. It makes life easy for them, too. But the fact is, we should borrow a page from what the Republicans should do and fight, 
despite Citizens United pass some laws, that, okay, they'll say the SCOTUS will strike it down. Fine. Let it go all the way through the courts then, take a couple of years, and then finally get to the SCOTUS. But let's fight. Let's fight for our rights and stop just walking away. It's that simple, people. What we have right now is fascism. And a lot of people think fascism means they, they picture the Nazis. That's part of it. Fascism means really government by corporate dictates. That is exactly what we have. Our representative government is a joke. It doesn't, I mean, the Republicans are definitely bad cops and the Democrats good cops. <coughs> <coughs> And the Republicans can't be allowed to get into power again because they have embraced white supremacy and neo-Nazism. That's the GOP of Trump. But we have to fight. We have to refuse to cooperate. General strikes and lots of lawsuits against corporations. Let it go through the courts. Make it go back to the SCOTUS. Come up with some better legal arguments, because guess what? Scalia's decision in Citizens United is bullshit. It is a circular argument. It's a fallacy. Even Scalia admitted it himself, so challenge it. When are we going to get some, some more champions? People that run for office don't care about getting reelected and just keep fighting. And act more like Wrestlers doing tag team matches. Okay, I did my turn. Okay, here you go. You keep fighting. Then that corporate money doesn't mean so much. Just a thought. So once again, I would say our chief jackass of the week is Attorney General Eric Schmidt. And all I can say to him is a big yeehaw. And I apologize for my voice tonight. That's our show. Good night and God bless.